morning, everyone. What a day. What a day. We're here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We've spent the week talking about the, the crucifixion, the death and burial, but today we want to talk about the resurrection. And one of the uh, uh, verses that we just sang, you know, we face uncertain days. And uh, because of our hope in Jesus, we know that tomorrow, whatever it holds, that uh, we're okay. We're going to be okay. And uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, that's where we're going to be coming from. But I was thinking about the uncertain times that we are in in this world today. You know, we have this war over in uh, Ukraine, Russia. You look, you don't know if we got another Stalin or Hitler, or all what's going on over there, how bad it's going to get. Are we going to be in World War III? And then over here, we have rising prices on everything from food and oil and gas. We have uh, <coughs> this disruption within our political system, it seems, a turmoil that's going on. We have people on fixed budgets trying to figure out how they're going to make it and health issues, relational issues, there's all sorts of these things that are going, all these uncertain uh, things that are going on in the world today. And, and you can say that we are headed for serious trouble, or it looks like it anyways, but we, we commit these things to the Lord. We know He is in control. Um, but if our hope is in um, a better future in the price of oil or in a new president or all these things, We've sort of missed the, the boat, you know, on really what gives us life's meaning. Um, some people don't think things could get worse than what they are, but we understand that the Bible says things are going to get worse and worse as it goes on. And I don't say this as to be a, a negative thing because we're here to rejoice and we're here to say, you know what, God is in control. We believe in the sovereignty of God. We believe in the providential uh, power of God. And so there's nothing that happens in this world that God is not aware of or that God does not permit to happen. Amen. And so when we think about what could be worse than what's going on now, uh, this scripture sort of talks about. So 1 Corinthians 15, and as we go, uh, we're going to start at verse 12, I guess, and go through 19. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, no, if Christ, yeah, excuse me. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, if we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom, if he did not raise up, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only you have hope in Christ, we are of all men to be most pitied. So here it is. If there is no resurrection from the dead, that is the worst thing that could happen to this world. As we look at this, and he ends that little passage there saying, If we just worship Christ... In this life only, we're to be pitied more than all men. When Jesus left his disciples, when he left this world, he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, 
guess what? I'm coming back to get you. So that's the power of the resurrection in our life. And it's funny that just shortly after, I shouldn't say funny, but it's, it's sort of amazing that shortly after the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus that this theme was going through that there is no resurrection of the dead. And so from the very onset of Jesus' burial into the tomb and when they found that tomb empty that glorious morning, the, the wheels were churning in this world to say we need to disprove this resurrection. And that's really what would make this world an unbearable place. And so when we say, well, how do we know that Jesus is alive? Well, I know because I have his Holy Spirit in, him, in my life. He's made a difference in my life. And so when we talk about all this, uh, this risen Christ is our hope. It's our hope for our future. It's our hope that lays beyond this life. See, if we put all of our, our eggs in the basket, so to say, on an Easter and say, you know, I just value this life and this life only, we are missing really the most important thing because we have all eternity. The Bible says that this life is just as a vapor. It's just a, a wisp of all eternity. And so we need to keep our eyes on eternal things. And so if we don't believe in the resurrection, if we say, well, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, you know, there's things in the scriptures we don't always understand. I don't understand the virgin birth, but I believe it because the God, God's word says it. I, I don't know how raising from the dead uh, happens either other than God's word says it and I believe it. And so we put our trust and our faith in God and in his word and that's why we don't go by our emotions. We don't go by our feelings. We don't even go by our, all of our intellects sometimes. But I want you to understand that the empty tomb was witnessed by many. Jesus, after his resurrection, was witnessed by many, many people. And so it was documented, it was followed through. And so Satan's deal is he always wants to cast this doubt into our life. And so Paul said this to this early church, and he says it to us today, because when we talk about the resurrection, do we believe in it or not, there's a, there's a lot of ways we can do it. We can profess one thing and live another. And so when, when he told Paul, or when Paul said, if there is no res resurrection from the dead, he said this. He said, then preaching is useless. What I'm doing here today, what, what people do when we share our testimonies, when we're having that, that fellowship and we're talking about Christ and God's word, it says all those things are useless. It says then your faith is futile. So your faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not seen. We walk by faith, not by sight. And so it says that faith that you have is just in nothing. It's in, it's in a fairy tale. He also said then sin is going to control your life. And then he said also then Christ is really dead. And if Christ is dead, because Christ is our hope and glory, if he's dead, that means we are dead in our sins, we are dead in our trespasses. That means all this that we do has no meaning. That means our prayers are, are going nowhere. But Paul says a lot different things. He tells us that our life shows these things, that we are the witnesses of Christ in this world. Christ lives through us, through his Holy Spirit. And that's the, the promise that he has given us. And so, as Christians sometimes, and we've been going through James before we took our, our little Easter run here, but, you know, James says that works without, de uh, without faith is dead. We do nothing sometimes. We are, we're not very good doers of God's word. And so, I want you to say, sometimes you may be professing that the resurrection of Christ is indeed fake just by the way that you respond to those things. See, we can say something and, and we can do another thing. 
Because those were those in the Bible times, especially in James, where they were saying, you know, we're Christians, we're believers, but they're walked and matched their talk. The desire of their heart was not where it needed to be. And so if we're not very good doers of God's word, you know, are we really saying that we believe in Christ? Because the resurrection should make a difference in your life. The resurrection has changed my life. Okay? I believe in Jesus. I believe that he was born of a virgin, raised from the dead. I believe that he's coming back for me. And because we have that faith, that belief in Jesus Christ, then I say he has changed my life. I no longer depend upon myself, but I depend upon his word. I want to live for his word. I want to do those things that are, are pleasing to him. Do I always do it? No. No, I'm a sinful man. I fall short in many areas in my life. But God is faithful and just to forgive us those things. But the question is, is has that resurrection changed your life? Your faith, is it futile? You know, you can say, well, I'm a man of faith. I'm a, I'm a believer. I, I have faith. Well, if you have faith, are you walking by faith and not by sight? Or do you need to see it and touch it and feel it in order for it to be real? See, if your faith is futile, then it doesn't change what you do, how you live, the things that you say. See, the resurrection of Jesus, if you're a born-again believer, and you have faith in Jesus, it changes the way that you do things. It changes the way that you think. And it's not that thoughts still don't come in, because they do. But it changes the way you think. It changes your priorities in your life. It changes the way that you speak. It changes the things that you do, where you go and where you don't go. And it says... If the resurrection did not happen, sin controls. We look at the world today. Many don't believe. The churches are full today, by the way, across this country. But the people sometimes in those churches aren't really living out their faith. They're going out of a religious duty. They're going to uh, fulfill some maybe need in their life. But the Bible says that if the resurrection didn't happen, then sin controls. Is sin controlling your life? Is sin in charge of what you do? Do you make your decisions based upon those things? Can you not give up sin in your life because you really don't believe that it's going to make a difference? God tells us that if we don't believe in the resurrection, sin is going to have dominion in our life. Sin is going to control us in the things that we do. If we have faith, we believe that he is faithful and just to forgive us those sins, but we also believe that he's going to empower us to walk in the paths that he has caused us to walk in. Do you have faith like that? Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Blessed is the person whose mind is stayed upon God and his word. And so as we focus on that, he begins to change our life. The desires I used to have aren't there anymore. And I've found new desires in Christ Jesus. And again, saying all this, we recognize that we struggle with sin in our life. We know that uh, it's true for me and it's true for you, it's true for everybody, that we do have that nature that sort of uh, allures us into those things. The world is continually pulling at us. From the time Christ was, was crucified and buried, the world started tugging at our thoughts of, is this Jesus real? Is he who he says he is? Today we have those same thoughts in our minds sometimes. Satan wants to attack us. Is your faith real? Is your life good enough? <coughs> Are you doing everything that you should do? The thing about salvation is it's not about what we can do. It's about what Jesus has done. And that's the promise that we stand in. That's the power of the resurrection. I don't have to do those things, but I want to do those things. Jesus says, I'm not saved 
because of anything that I've done. I'm saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any one of us could boast. And so we stand in the promise of God and of his resurrection. He's coming back for us. We can read about the the story of the prodigal son. I often think that this is sort of a good example for us as we think about things. So you had the younger son as he was growing up, sort of wanted to sow his oats and, and do his thing. And so as he was out doing his thing, uh, he fell on hard times. So he was doing the wine, women, and song routine and out just spending money, enjoying all the things that this world uh, could throw at him. You know, sometimes the things of the world look so alluring, right? And we end up chasing the dollar and we end up chasing this and chasing that. This young son did that. It says that finally he came to a spot in his life where he would have been happy to eat what the pigs were eating. And he thought, you know, I can go home back to my dad as a servant, and I can eat better than what I'm doing now. And so as that, that young son went back, he was rehearsing this thing in his mind, you know, Father, I've sinned against you and against God, you know, please forgive me all this. And as he turned up the road, the, the father was looking out the, out the window for him. And I believe that father was looking for that son every day, just as God looks for the lost in this world. Turn to me, come back, come back to me and, you know, sup with me. And so the young son came home, Dad says, go get this uh, animal. We're going to have a party. We're going to have a celebration. My son who is dead is now back, and and we're going to have a party. But there was another one that sinned. And it wasn't the sin of wine, woman, and songs, was it? But it was that older brother. That older brother had this sin called self-righteousness. Sometimes as believers, we have that in our life. We look down at other people that are going through things in their life, not understanding The older brother couldn't see the the blessing of the brother coming home, but he just felt cheated. He felt, uh, you know, somehow like he wasn't as as good as as this younger one because dad never threw me a party, and here he's throwing this one. As a matter of fact, it says in the scripture, but he was angry and would not go in, and therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. He says, come on in. He says, you know, your younger brother was dead. He was gone, and now he's back home. But that... Older brother just could not get over that self-righteous attitude. You know, and, and we're not into really um, categorizing sins as, as good or bad, but I want to say that I think this older brother's sin was, was a bad sin because it was a sin of character. A lot of sins are easy to repent of in our life when we can really realize that they're wrong, we look at that, but the ones of character are hard, and self-righteousness is, is a character flaw. And when we, when we go to repent of things in our character, we have troubles with that. That older brother thought he was right. He, he believed he was right. He had every reason to be angry and mad with his father and with his younger brother. And those are the ones that are hard to give up to God because those are not godly traits. We may say, what's your big sin? We all have them in our life. We all have sin in our life. But guess what? Whatever your sin is, it means nothing if there's no resurrection from the dead. You might as well just go on sinning if there's no resurrection. But if there is a resurrection from the dead, then we're going to be accountable. And so regardless of what you believe or I believe, the Bible tells us there's a day when Jesus is coming back. He says every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. We're going to give an answer for every idle word we speak, for every action that we do. And so the resurrection means everything for the believer's life. Mark Twain, some of you know Mark Twain, right? He, I, I like reading some of his stuff, and uh, but his life is an interesting life. But near the end of his life, 
He was, he was really pretty tired, and uh, he got depressed near the end of his life. And some of us can see people in those states. But he had this interesting uh, writing before his death. He said, a myriad of men are born. They labor, and they sweat, and they struggle. They squabble, and scold, and fight. They scramble for little mean advantages over each other. Then age creeps upon them. Infirmities follow. Those they love are taken from them, and the joy of life is turned into aching grief. It comes at last, the only unpoisoned gift earth ever had for them, and they vanish from the world where they were of no consequence, a world which will mourn them for a day and forget them forever. Sounds pretty sad, doesn't it? Do any of you walk your life like that, thinking that your life doesn't matter? That your life has no consequence. See, Mark Twain felt that way. Jesus says you have a purpose. Wherever you're at in life, he has a purpose for you. He has a desire and a plan for you in your life. We can walk in joy in this life knowing that God holds something greater in the afterlife of this. But he wants to use us here. Even Paul, near the end of his ministry, said this. He said, you know, my body is weary. My t- this tent is wearing out. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul just said, that's going to be a glorious time. But he said, but as long as I'm here, I'm going to tarry on. God has something for us to do. Don't waste your days. Don't waste your time. The resurrection means that we have life here and we have life after here. So don't just put all your things and say, oh, I'm just living this life, going for the gust. going to live it in a way that has eternal values in God, I would hate to have that sadness that Mark Twain had in his life, that depression, that desire just to die and be gone and to say, as he said, in a world where they are of no consequence, which will mourn you for a day and forget you forever. It's a sad thought. He tells us, God does, that our names, if you're born again, are written in the Lamb's book of life. You're not going to be forgot. You'll be remembered for all eternity. Matthew 28 says, The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he laid. There were witnesses to the empty tomb. There were witnesses to the resurrected body of Jesus afterwards by many hundreds of people. We believe not just because of those facts, but we believe because God said it. Raymond Lindquist said this, Resurrection Sunday is to our faith what water is to the ocean, what a stone is to a mountain, what blood is to your body. It is the first and final word in the dictionary of God. It says that Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. He hasn't left the story unwritten. He told us what the end is. You will be with me in paradise. So today you either believe the account of the Bible or you don't. That's a choice you can make. But God wants you in his family. If you don't know him in a personal way, he wants you to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Years ago, there was a professional golfer called Paul Azinger. At 33, he, he uh, found out that he had cancer, and it was pretty serious. And he had uh, just won a PGA championship. He had, I think, 10 titles under his belt at the time. Um, but he said this when he found that out. And any of you that have gone through health things maybe can understand some of this. 
But he said, a genuine feeling of fear came over me. I could die from cancer. Then another reality hit me even harder. I'm going to die eventually anyways, whether from cancer or something else. It's just a question of when. Everything I had accomplished in golf became meaningless to me. All I wanted to do was live. You know, these things that we go through, these valleys in the life, Jesus is with us in those times because he lives, because he's alive. Jesus is in our presence today. He's with you in your, your relational troubles. He's with you in your health issues. He's with you each and every day walking hand in hand with you. Paul Eisinger said, all I wanted to do was live. When you hear those things, when you're going through those things, it sort of changes our perspective. But he remembered something that uh, Larry Moody had said. And Larry Moody used to run Bible studies on the PGA Pro Tour. And uh, Larry Moody said this. He said, Zinger, we're not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. We're in the land of the dying looking to go to the land of the living. Amen. That's the resurrection. If Christ did not rise, then we will not rise. But because he lives, we will live. And there's going to be that resurrection morning when we will be gathered with him. Zinger recovered. He returned to the PGA. He wrote this. He says, I've made a lot of money since I've been on tour and I've won a lot of tournaments. But that happiness is always temporary. The only way you will ever have true contentment is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you given your life to him? He's willing to accept us with all of our failures. He accepts us just as we are. Remember that, that hymn, Just As I Am Without One Plea? Jesus will accept you wherever you're at. He just wants you. Turn to him. Give your life to him. Trust in him. I say try him. You know, he will show himself faithful. He wants you and loves you more than anybody or anything ever could in this world. He loved you so much that he went to the cross. And he loved you so much that he rose again. Our Savior lives. We serve that risen Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for the great miracle of the resurrection. Father, you are a forgiving God. You are full of mercy and grace and justice and love. And Father, we just think of that great moment when Jesus rose again and was reunited with the, the headship of the Trinity, Lord, his mission was accomplished. He had completed what he was sent to do, and that was to provide a once-for-all sacrifice for sinners like us. And though, Lord, we're never worthy of it, you have granted us that gift, that gift of grace that allows us to draw close to you. Father, whatever it is that we are facing in this life, you want to be a part of it. You have paid the price for it. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we don't have to walk through valleys alone. We thank you, Lord, for Christian friends and Christian family. We thank you, Lord, for the church that your son instituted in the world. Father, help us to be faithful. Help us to, to have faith that we need to see you. And Lord, when this world starts to clutter our thoughts and starts to blind our ears and starts to plug our, our, or blind our eyes and plug our ears, Lord, help us to really refocus, to take a moment back and to get our, our focus upon you. 
Because you live, Lord, we can face tomorrow and we can face every day because in you we have the victory. We thank you now and we just ask a blessing upon the rest of this day and the rest of this week, Lord. Bless each one here. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.